This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Hang on. I want to read for you the name of the Southampton coach because it is (laughs) – his name is Ralph Hasenhudel. That's a fun name to say. (laughs) Come on. Ralph Hasenhudel? Yes. It's spelled H-A-S-E-N-H umlaut T-T-L. Sounds like a crossbreed of a poodle and something else, but it sounds like a dog breed for sure. Yes. Welcome in, everybody, to Fan to Fan Detroit. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. This is Double P producer Parker. Parker, what's up, man? Shalom. Shalom. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to, as basically every sport besides basketball and hockey are going on right now. We got Lions talk for the first little bit of the show. We're going to go around the league in the NFL as we do every week. Uh, Big Ten football is back. Michigan and Michigan State played on Saturday. And then, of course, the World Series, which actually Game 5 is being played right now. So we're going to record this, and then I am going to go watch that. Currently, it's 4-2 in the fifth. But let's start with your Detroit Lions, who are now 3-3. Three and three. One catch away. I hate to say this. I really do. But one catch away from 4-2. and two. Uh, 23-22. No, you can't roll your eyes. You I know. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're you, right. <laughs> you've been the guy all season. Lion, uh, uh, unbelievable, completely improbable win today. The th- third time this season the Falcons have had a 96% chance or better to win a game in the fourth quarter and lost. Um, minute left in the game. Atlanta's got the ball. Run the ball up the middle with Todd Gurley. All he has to do is not score, and they have a 25-yard field goal to win the game with zero seconds on the clock. And he <laughs> literally can't stop himself. You see him try, and he you falls. Right down there. Oops, I mean, right it was like a, like a seven-yard run, and he just sneaks right onto the goal line. I mean, it by six inches probably. Um, I mean, his knee is well over the line. That is, yeah, but that ball. Look at that ball. Uh, which led sixty-four seconds on the clock for the comeback cat Matt Stafford, uh, and him and Kenny Galladay did what they've been doing t- for two full weeks now, and that's just go get it, bud. And Kenny Galladay goes and gets it every damn time. Now. As, as exciting as it was, I do not want this to turn into the Lions are going to the playoffs, the Lions are going to do this, the Lions are going to do that. Because even with the cupcake schedule they have coming up, which I'm going to read to you, their opponents over the next six weeks are 4-2, 1-5, 1-5, 1-5, 3-3, 3-3, and 1-5. And 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 Thank you, uh, Mike Payton, columnist for Pride of Detroit. Uh but it, it, I don't. I don't think it will matter. Uh, There's still a full game out of the playoffs, which I know doesn't sound like much. But with Matt Patricia as your head coach, a Matthew Stafford who up until today and even today hasn't been the best Matthew Stafford we've seen. He was good today. He was really good. But there's still a whole another level he can get to that we saw earlier early in last season. Um, a defense that although they look good today, you held a, a good Falcons offense to 22 points. Um, and seems to be getting better, but it's still one of the worst defenses in football with uh, a couple of corners who can't get healthy in Trufant and Coleman. 
So I don't want this to just turn into we're going to the playoffs, right? Like I would normally do every year before this year because for some reason the Lions have this curse on me. So this year I'm going to fight it off. Parker, am I wrong to just completely stiff arm it and say not a chance? Should I at least have some hope right here? Uh, I think that we are both allowed five minutes to go, wow, that was great. This team is above that like kind of burning corpse pile of teams at the bottom of the NFL, but also acknowledge that, quite frankly, they look like a 7-9 and nine team. That's just what they look like when I watch them play. They were equal. They equal parts won this game and were gifted this game by the Falcons. Uh, you know, there's a saying in science that an immovable force meets an object. <laughs> something object. It's oh, not wow. just I can't object. believe that I started this and like wasn't ready to finish it. Immovable force meets an object of some kind that's very large, uh, and that's kind of what this was. But for like bad cursed football teams. Uh, and it turns out the Falcons are just slightly more cursed than the Lions this year, uh, and that's great. I'll take it. That's a win. I will it take was, a cursed win over any win of any kind. It was the choke bowl. It was yeah. the two biggest chokers in the league. Who who can out-choke the other? And through, I don't know if it was pixie dust or a magic spell, the Falcons found a way to out-choke us. Um when, I mean, I think we all were in the same spot. Even when Gurley fell, it was like, oh, shit, we do have a chance. But, like, we have 64 seconds and have to go the length of the field and score yeah. a touchdown. We can't get a field goal. And then there and was, then all like, of a sudden, that whole nuttiness where, like, with the Galladay catch in, like, the 11-yard line or whatever, and they stopped the play, and then they were like, okay, we're going to start the clock when we go, and it's going to be a live ball, which is, like, weird. And technically, they went back to look at the play after the, another play had occurred, which is obviously not the rules of football. Never seen that. Uh, even Mike Pereira was kind of like, and then Mike Pereira's job is basically to support the referees on broadcasts while they're getting smashed by Greg Jennings or whatever. So I don't know, man. It was a strange game. One of the weird, one of the weirdest football games I've watched this year. That's for sure. It's you, uh, it's an immovable, uh, unstoppable force meets an immovable, immovable object. object. I just <laughs> wanted to say that because I just was feeling stupid. <laughs> that's funny. Um, a couple things on that that Galladay catch that they had to go review. One. There was P.I. there. P.I. should have been called. Yeah. They should have stopped the clock. Should have stopped the clock with 11 seconds. It worked out that it didn't happen, but whatever. The clock should have been stopped with 11 seconds. Two, I was so unbelievably terrified that they were going to reverse the call. And you know what happens if they reverse the call, right? The clock stays at three seconds or whatever? Ten-second runoff. Just oh, like the last goodness. fucking time we lost to the Falcons. <sighs> A 10-second runoff would have occurred, and the game would have been over. So then they would have oh missed that gosh. pass interference call. There would have been a 10-second runoff, and we would have lost the game. Um, so my my emotions were, were going bonkers during that. Um, and on top of that, on top of it just being the Lions, since this is going well, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I had a parlay going where two of the teams were the Cleveland Browns, and the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and both of those drives in the last minute saved my parlay. Enough, the Cardinals can Cardinal Seahawks can go over fifty five. I win three hundred 
it would have been seven hundred dollars, but Parky missed the extra point, so now it's three hundred and seventy dollars. And I've never felt. I mean, I have watched my favorite teams in the World Series. I've watched my favorite player in the NBA Finals. I've watched a Lions playoff game. I've watched the Lions in the fourth quarter, and I've never been as stressed as I was for that ten-minute period of football all around the league. I had three screens going. It was pure torture, but I snuck out of there. Snuck I had, out of uh, there. the Lions game and red zone on, and it was just like doing this for the last like ten minutes. There, there's a lot of football happening all at once. That's for sure. Yeah, it was a good day of football, though. There was some, there was some really exciting games uh, that we'll get to a little bit football. later. Uh, let's kind of let's kind of break down what we saw on the field, though. So yep. the number one thing that stands out to me, and I'm going to start with a negative, even though we won this game. And that negative is Daryl Bevel, especially in the first half today. I, I'm I'm so unbelievably sick of run, run, pass, three and out, run, run, pass, three and out. Especially when that guy running the ball is 135-year-old Adrian Peterson, who is averaging three yards per carry on his last 58 carries over the last four weeks of football. He hasn't been good. Some of that's the play calling. I mean, they're just literally just saying get it and run straight into the offensive yeah. line. Um, but that's also part of the reason. I mean, part of the reason for that is he can't break it to the outside anymore. You can't really run a stretch or a toss with him anymore because somebody's going to meet him at the outside, uh, which we saw Okuda do all day to Todd Gurley, by the way. Every time Todd Gurley tried to get to the outside, Okuda was there waiting for him. Um, and it's the reason why this game had to be close at the end. When Swift was on the field, even though Swift's production wasn't elite by any means, um, the offense was a was a well-oiled machine. The defense knew that they had to watch for him out of the backfield. They knew they had to watch him running to the outside or even up the middle because he can do that as well. He can do that really well. Um, so Adrian Peterson needs to be moved down the depth chart. He can be used as a change of pace back three, four, five times a game when you need a two-yard run. Just here you go. You're fresh. You've only had two carries today. Just put your head down and go. Then he can be your guy. But to out-carry DeAndre Swift again, inexcusable to me. And Karrion Johnson, did he even have a carry today? To me, that's that's where some of those need to come from. I really like the usage level that Swift is at, and I really like the running back by committee. But I think right now, Karrion Johnson allows you to do more things. Uh, when Adrian Peterson's in the backfield, they're either passing or they're running it straight at you. And there's that's with Karrion Johnson, at least, you can get a better blocker. You can make a few moves. Uh, and Karrion Johnson is like a totally good running back. Uh, but I like I like the running back by committee, and I don't. It seems like with Adrian Peterson, he's either on or off. He's either killing teams or they they don't or it's nothing. And I think you can find out pretty early on into a game which it is. And if it's Adrian Peterson day, great. And if it's not, I need to see Karrion Johnson in there more. Yeah, uh, if I have it my way, it's you turn Swift into like Alvin Kamara, pretty much. It's just. For every time you need four or five yards, it should be swift in there, either out of the backfield or getting handed the ball. You bring carry on in on a lot of the passing plays because here's what that's going to do to the defense. When they see carry on in, they don't know 
if it's going to be a pass deep and he'll sit back there blocking because he is one of the best blocking running backs in football, or if he's going to slide out and, and make a catch himself. On top of that, you could run draw play after draw play with on Johnson, and I think that would work very well. Um, so I think we're on the same page. You move Adrian Peterson down the depth chart. You use him when you need him. Get on some snaps. I mean, I, he didn't carry the ball. He didn't catch the ball. I, he had, probably had a few snaps today. I saw him in there at least once. Um, but to, to not touch the ball, a guy with that high of a skill level uh, and that young, when Adrian Peterson has not been productive at all, it just feels like a waste of talent to me. I mean, Kerryon Johnson could average three yards a carry. Sure. Easily. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and then do if he goes everything down, else better. Then we just still have Adrian Peterson if he goes down. Right. Uh, I want to talk about something that I thought was positive that uh, I want to give you credit for pointing out to me. And I, I kind of now that you once you'd said it, I, I started to notice it. And that is that the special teams is executing. Uh, they are killing it on kick coverage, punk coverage. Uh, they just have been really solid. They've just been really good every time. And you don't notice special teams until something goes wrong, right? I feel like that's kind of the mark mm-hmm. of a good special team sometimes is that you just don't think about them. Uh, but paying attention to it, the special teams has been quite good in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it's pretty unbelievable to me that Matt Prater's probably been the worst special teams player on the team this year. Yeah, a little, uh, uh, little, little, not, little off today, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, he's missed four field goals on the season. Uh, he's the guy who doesn't miss from more than 50, and he's missed, you know, he missed his first three from 50. He finally got one today. And it's not like we're getting to the point where we got to talk about cutting Matt Prater or anything because he's going to get it no. together. Yeah. But it's a, it's a shaky start from him, and I actually think it shows how good the special teams has been. Jack Fox has been the best punter in football. Uh, Agnew returning kicks is reliable. I mean, he's he he might take it out of the end zone a little bit too often, but he has the highest average on returns in the NFL. Yeah, Um, and when when every time you punt, the ball is ending up on the five yard line. That helps your defense, dude. I am the biggest pusher of punters in the world. Punting is so 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 important over the course of a game. I mean, field position is everything. If you can turn a drive from a 70-yard drive to an 85, 90-yard drive, that will be, like, consistently, that will be the difference in the football game. It could, it could have been today. I mean, I know the Falcons were going down the field. They had a 95-yard drive. But um, just, just you're right. The execution, they're being coached by Braden Combs, who's, like, 32, 33 years old, which was a great hire in the offseason. Uh, it's good to see because that's just fundamentals, right? And that's something I feel like the Lions rarely have. And just to see it in at least one phase of the game, and probably two, the offense is not bad fundamentally, I'd say, is a good sign. Yeah, At least a good sign for the coaching staff. Yeah, I would say they're as fundamental as any Lions team I've seen in the last five, six years. You know, offensive line doesn't really give away as many penalties as I, as I remember from when, like, Jeff Backus was the starting center or whatever. And uh, I just think that there's some reasons to be positive. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had another good day today. Kenny Galladay is, like, rounding into a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I mean, give him a just, blank check. He just gets, yeah, yes. Give him a blank check. What they do you want? They can afford it. They can afford it. Let's keep him. Yeah. Uh, 
on the offense, the only other kind of down that I see, and it's not even really a down because in the final drive it kind of redeemed itself, and it's Danny Amendola and Stafford have been a little a little suspect on their connection so far this year. Uh, up until Danny snags one for 30 yards with 37 seconds left or whatever. But uh, a couple a couple drops this year from Danny Amendola. Yeah, and he's getting up there in age. Um, yeah. How about that challenge of the 12 men on the field that Stafford <laughs> catches from under center? The dude is 25 yards to his left. And as he's snapping the ball, turning around the other way, he notices that that guy's still on the field. That is Dude, that is amazing to me. It's some it's some high level football pettiness to then challenge it and get it right too. And if you don't get if you don't get that right, you're being made fun of on Sports Center the next day. But yeah. they got it right barely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they barely got it right. I think he was on the white right, and you have to be all the way off. You can't be on the uh, you know kind of it's like turf and then the strip and then off the field. But um, uh, truly an incredible play. I've never seen that. I've never seen that before. I didn't even know you could challenge that. Me neither. I didn't know that either. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's talk a little bit about next week versus the Colts. So they're four and two. Good, right? The Colts Uh, are four and two, you mean? Yes. Yes. Uh, Which is good. Now, the defense, Colts, good. The offense, Colts, bad. Not good at all. Uh, I'll be interested to see if we can contain Jonathan Taylor, but if it's anything like the last couple weeks, we can. We, I, I think we'll be able to get some pressure on Phillip Rivers, again, if it's anything like the last two weeks. Uh, but when you look at these four wins for the Colts, it makes them a little bit less impressive. They beat the Vikings, the Bears, the Jets, and the Bengals. So those teams have – I mean, three of those teams combined have, what, two wins? And then the other one has five, and they're the only loss that the other team has. But that team is pretty suspect itself. Um, so I don't want to count out the Lions next week either. How do you feel about that game? I, I, I don't think they should be favored or anything. Um, but something like a three, three-and-a-half-point spread sounds about right to me. So I disagree that we'll be able to get pressure on Phillip Rivers. The Colts have a really good offensive line. Uh, it's kind of been the only thing that's saved Philip Rivers this year, in my opinion, who's been very bad, thrown some bad balls. Uh, I think that if you win that game, then you are allowed uh, as a Lions fan to maybe go, huh, maybe we're a half game out of the playoffs now. Hmm. Maybe uh, maybe we should be a little nicer. But if we go in there and we get our asses kicked, then it is once again confirmation that we are living in a Lions universe. The opening spread for that game is Colts minus two and a half. I I see to me that's a point or two too low. Uh, I think it should be Colts by four, uh, Colts by three and a half, maybe. It is here too, so really the I Oh, mean, okay, yeah. So it is it is kind of like four. I'm because normally you give three for the home team. It's three points, but without fans, I say it's a point and a half. Okay. So we'll say it's really closer to four. But I agree, if they win that game, then then you're talking, right? Because then you you look at the schedule and we're gonna be those guys this week. We're gonna go over the next couple weeks. Then you go to Minnesota and play the Vikings. I feel good about that one. You're favored in that one if you win next week and probably even if you lose. Then you have Washington at home. You're favored in that. 
Then you go to Carolina. You're not favored, but it's kind of like this Colts matchup where really anything could happen. Uh, I would probably put my money on Carolina, but anything could happen in that game. And then you have the currently one in six Texans and the fraud, probably Chicago Bears. So there is a opportunity for a playoff hunt. I'm not saying they're going to get there. I'm not saying it's legit. I'm not even saying this team is good. But if they can keep figuring out what it, if they can keep putting the puzzle pieces together that it looks like they've been doing the last couple weeks and they go through the stretch and the confidence only goes up and Trufant's back and Coleman's back. And then all of a sudden your secondary is pretty good. Um, Trey Flowers was good today. Uh, Okora has been fantastic. Uh, the older Okora, of course. Um, Jamie Collins keeps playing the way he's playing, which isn't horrible. Not, Danny Shelton was really good today. Yes, yes, and he has been the last two or three weeks after a very rough start to the season. Yeah. And I actually think he's been the difference on the defensive line the last couple of weeks. He's been kind of, It's not that he's been getting to the quarterback, but he's been pushing that line back, and when the run comes his way, you're not getting by him. Yeah, he's kind of done what we thought Mike Daniels was going to do. Can you hear me in this show Trying to trying to keep my cool and trying not to be the hopeful guy. Yes, yeah, we're both. I think definitely trying really hard to kind of stay regulated about this because, like, it, the Panthers is the game where whoever wins that game is going to be the last seed in the playoffs this year. That's the game, uh, and if it's not that game, then it's this Colts game coming up. So, in my opinion, the Lions and the Panthers and the Colts are kind of right in that like kind of middle upper middle class middle class of teams where. Some of those teams are going to make the playoffs and some of them aren't, and they're all basically going to be about the same talent level. And it's just going to come down to one or two random games sprinkled throughout the season. The Colts are in the playoff spot right now in the AFC. They're in the last one. They basically are going to have to beat out Miami, Vegas, or the Chargers. So I'd feel good if I'm the Colts. Vegas, Scott, uh, say those teams again, Miami, Vegas, or the Chargers? Yeah, and the Chargers are two games back. So really Miami or Vegas. Mm. Yeah, I think all of those teams have pretty significant flaws. And we don't even know if the Dolphins, if two is going to look good or if they're going to have to go back to Fitzpatrick, but he's going to be pissed and checked out and not play very well. Or, uh, I mean, who knows? We, there's a lot of question marks on a lot of teams right now, which I feel like isn't normal for this point in the season. Uh, where, like, I feel like there's 10 NFL teams that we really still don't, like, have a good feel about how good they are. The Broncos, for example. Excuse me, I burped. Uh, the Eagles, I think, are another one where, like, they're bad, but how bad? Uh, and then the flip side of that, you got the Browns. They're good, but how good? Yes. Like, they, yeah. have a win, they have a win like today, and you're like, oh, this team can be really fucking good. If Baker Mayfield can play like he did today, especially after those first five throws where he goes 22 for 23 the rest of the game and five touchdowns, um, there's it's just – there's a whole bunch of that, and what the Lions are trying to do right now, I think, is go from that, we know they're bad, but are they really that bad, to, okay, we think they're good, but how good are they? I think that's the next step in the season if they want it to be a positive season. I think there's like four, there's probably five tiers of teams right now in the NFL. There's your elite tier, your good tier, or your elite tier, your almost elite tier, like the middle ground, middle bad, and then terrible, and there's like three teams in terrible. And I think the Lions are, like, in four, approaching three, hoping to, like, stand firmly in three. And uh, they could. I mean, they have been gifted, like, a very cupcake schedule. 
Uh, but you know, the beginning of the the beginning of the schedule is pretty tough for them. But I have a fun fact for you, and then uh, that was set on the broadcast today, and then I'm going to give you a little NFL power rankings, and then let's go around the league. So the fun fact. I did not know that TJ Hawkinson's name was Thomas James Hawkinson. So I will now be referring to him as Thomas James Hawkinson Mm -hmm. for the rest of time. Okay. Okay. Will you be joining me? Yes. Cool. All right. Now what I want to do, I want to give you a little top 10 NFL power rankings and I want to see if you agree. Okay. I'm going to kind of do it on the fly. I don't have this written down, but I, so I'm going to say chiefs number one, Pittsburgh, number two, uh, Tennessee, number three, Seattle, number four, Baltimore, number five, Green Bay, number six, Tampa, number seven, Buffalo, number eight, Cleveland, number nine, Chicago, 10. Uh, so the stuff that immediately sticks out in my opinion right now, the bills have not are at 10, not eight for me after that, like just well, we'll get to it, but that just shit bomb that they laid against the Jets today. They won, but the Jets covered, which is not ideal. That's not what happens to good football teams. Uh, and I, I don't think that the Steelers are two. And I, I think that it's still for They're me maybe the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was in on the Steelers early, but not like this into the Steelers. I think I had them winning six games the whole season. <laughs> In yeah. The Hang on. I want to look real quick at. Yeah. So, what moved Pittsburgh up to number two for me was today it's Ben Roethlisberger threw today. three interceptions and they still won that game. Yeah, the the Titans kind of came back down to earth a little bit today, which was probably bound to happen. On uh, our pick spot, you actually had picked the Steelers and I had picked the Titans. Uh, and all of a sudden now I've like kind of moved off the Steelers and it's starting to feel like that I'm wrong and maybe the Steelers are like a genuinely elite team. But I just think that they're a pretty good team. Pretty good to almost great team. I don't think that they're – I think that they're going to have some losses along the way here. And if they end up going 12-4 and four because of their hot start, I don't know, you know. Do I think that the Steelers can make an a- AFC championship game? No. Are we sure about that? Oh, my wish came true. <laughs> Andrew just like logged himself out of the chat in the middle of, uh, in the middle of our our discussion about the Steelers, and so while he's gone, uh, I don't know what do I, what do I want to say while he's not here. Oh, he's back. I guess nothing. You good? That was so weird. It didn't like <laughs> kick me out of anything. It just went to the home screen of StreamYard. Oh, now it's lagging like a bitch though. Hold on. Just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, I thought you were kidding, and then you said just kidding, and your lips didn't move till three seconds after I heard it. So let's get. Oh it. no. <laughs> When you disappeared, like, I just, like, I froze, too. It was really weird. I didn't know what to do. All of my improv training had immediately disappeared. The worst moment of my podcasting life is the first Boston Celtics postgame show I did for CLNS Radio. 
uh, I was like the co-host and I had no idea how to run a post game show. And five minutes into it, the guy lags out and disappears. That's <laughs> a real worst. trial by fire. Man. I'm Solo radio's hard. I was 17, dude. <laughs> like, what did you do? Was... Did you just like try to keep the show going? Yeah, just talked. Uh, and then we had somebody in the locker room for the Celtics, uh, like ready to do an interview. And I couldn't do anything about it because I didn't have any control <laughs> on the computer. And then he pops up at the end of the show. And we go to the guy in the locker room. He's like, well, I don't have uh, – I think it was James Young, the uh, Kentucky player. He's like, I, I don't have James Young anymore. So you can just continue the show. <laughs> so, um, all right. That's funny. Do you think the Steelers can win or make an AFC title game? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know. No, I don't think so. No, lock it in. Final answer, Alex. Uh, no, I don't think the Steelers will make an a- can make an AFC Championship game. Pittsburgh has a home game against Cleveland. Who wins? Uh, Pittsburgh's home. Pittsburgh wins. Pittsburgh has a home game against Buffalo. Who wins? Fuck, Pittsburgh wins. Pittsburgh has a home game against Baltimore. Who wins? Baltimore wins. Pittsburgh has a home game against Tennessee. Tennessee comes back to win. That That feels like cheating to me. That feels uh, Pittsburgh has a home game against KC. They have five home games next. No, 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 no. I'm saying if oh, oh, I miss. I'm saying if they played a home playoff game against these teams, who wins? Because they're really only they're going to win their division. They're only going to have to win one game to get to the the conference title game. I misunderstood. Uh, I misunderstood what game we were playing. Home playoff game against the Ravens. I still, I think my answers still stay the same, though. I think the Ravens and KC could both beat them on the road, and I don't think anybody else could. Especially uh, because if the rules are what people and NFL owners want them to be, there'll probably be thirty thousand people in that stadium. I don't think that will happen. I mean, shit in Florida, they gave Miami the go-ahead for a full capacity stadium, and the Dolphins had to say no. Yeah, but that's Florida. You might as well be talking about what's going on in Australia. I have one more thought about the Steelers, and then I will move on to the next team, and that's this week's America's sweetheart, Chase Claypool, one catch, negative two yards. Yeah, but he had a really hilarious moment against uh, Stephen Gilmore or whatever. When they were like hand fighting and he like shoved his hand in his face. I thought that was Yeah, cool. that was great. Um, let's talk Browns Bengals, which was probably the either that or the Lions, but probably that was the game of the day. Back and forth all day. Offense is humming. To, uh, one guy who's a for sure franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow just showing out maybe his best performance yet as a professional. And the other guy who we still think is a franchise quarterback, especially after today, but there's definitely some questions about it. Baker Mayfield finally putting his stamp on a game and saying, we're winning this game. I don't give a shit what happens. Um, And even though we saw that from Baker today, I think my biggest takeaway from the game, and I pretty much knew this before, but today confirmed it 100%, is that I think starting next year, for the next 15 years, the Bengals are going to be able to compete just because they have Joe Burrow at quarterback. Yeah. This is, we're seeing this. I'm going to say this for like the third show in a row. We're seeing this more and more as rookies actually have time to be on the field and they all look way better. 
than they looked at the beginning of the season. And Joe Burrow is very much not an exception to that. Uh, T. Higgins is also awesome. Another 85 out there in Cincinnati. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know, they're, if they draft two offensive linemen next year in the draft and they both hit, that team's going to be scary. They're just going to be scary. And I think they have some cap space coming up. But 400 yards, three touchdowns for Burrow today. Throw pick. He uh, he He's thrown an interception in four straight games now, which he can work on. But he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to throw some interceptions. Um, but, man, I am just excited to watch this guy grow. I can't even explain how much he reminds me of Peyton Manning. The picks, too, right? The same thing with the, all those interceptions <laughs> in his rookie year? Yeah. Uh, Peyton was worse, but, yeah. <laughs> I think Peyton had 19 interceptions his rookie year, which back then wasn't, like, a yeah. crazy number, but it's, it's still. different now. Um, times they are uh, changing. So... W- <laughs> Would you be more excited for the next five years if you're a Browns fan or a Bengals fan? Five. We're not saying whole careers. Just the next five years. Probably the Bengals, I think. Like, if we're just talking excitement level, I think if you're a Browns fan, your excitement level peak was probably last year. And now you're just, like, kind of hoping to get to 85% of that. Uh, if you're the Bengals, it's all fresh and new and good, and you know none of the games matter, right? They really don't. Like the, the wins and losses column don't doesn't matter to the Bengals this year. It's all about Joe Burrow and fuck that guy's awesome and getting a good pick in the next draft and taking whoever's the best player available. They're uh, playing with house money right now. The Bengals are. There's no expectations. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, you saw who made the game-winning touchdown grab for the Browns, did you? Did you? Did you? Was it? Was it? <laughs> was it David and Joku? It was Michigan and Cast Tech's very own Donovan Peoples Jones, the oh. former Wolverine, third-round pick, who honestly was like pretty disappointing at Michigan for what type of recruit he was. Turned into a third-round pick, made his first NFL grab today, and made the game-winning grab, and it was one hell of a catch. The focus needed on that catch, not only to catch it, but to get both feet in. Um, I went from thinking I would literally have one catch. I went from thinking Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to have a short NFL career to this guy can be, like, I don't know, a good wide receiver. I don't know how good, but a good wide receiver, like an Anquan Bolden light where he's going to have two catches a week and – it's going to be one of them are going to be for a touchdown, kind of like he was at Michigan. He's not going to have 11 grabs and 170 yards, but he'll have two, three catches, 40, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see if he becomes a more uh, integral part of that offense going forward. It'd be interesting to have an offensive recruit from Michigan do well. Yeah, the defensive players are all over the place. They're all They're over the really NFL. good. They're like important players, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, but the, the the offense players, specifically the skill positions. We had a chance with Jake Butt, but that dude's ACLs are just not, not built yeah. for football, it seems. Yeah. so. And later we'll get to who has the next best chance who's currently playing for Michigan. Um, the pace to win the NFC East is five wins and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys might not win another game. They've allowed 20 points in the first half in six straight games, which is an NFL record. And if Andy Dalton misses time with this concussion, 
Ben Flippin Naducci, who I've never heard of. I have no idea what college he went to, and I didn't even bother doing research on before this podcast, will be their starting quarterback until they trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick, inevitably. Washington's defense is legit, but that that offense is pretty much a dumpster fire unless they're playing the Cowboys. Um, the Giants are just the worst or the, the second worst team in the NFL. Oh. Give me a hint. Give me a hint where he went to college. There is not one. Okay, I can give you a hint. It's, it's not going to help you. The college is named after a president. He went to James Madison University. Wow, yes, it is James Madison <laughs> University. <laughs> that's that's maybe the smartest moment of my entire life. <laughs> oh man. Oh god, yeah. So I that can't guy that they drafted a guy out of James Madison University. Is did that they D2 draft school? him? Did they draft him or did they sign him on un- undrafted? Uh I don't Hey, the third quarterback quarterback off the board in the mock draft this year is going to be from a D2 school. Carson Wentz, D2 school. Yeah, well, Carson Wentz, maybe not very good. Uh, Josh Allen at San San Diego State or whatever, or wherever backwoods school he went to. Where did Josh Allen go? I remember his college career, but I can't put a jersey on it. South Dakota. It was South Dakota or South Dakota State, one of those two. No, that was Carson Wentz. No, Carson Wentz was North Dakota freshman, State. As a redshirt freshman, he was a backup quarterback behind Nathan Peterman. Wow. Okay. Good for you, sir. That good for the Cowboys. They're going to be a lot of fun for dead people. Like that's just so. Oh. Oh, I guess he played for Duke. Are they going to win again? Are they going to win another game? Whom? I'm sorry. I'm looking up. I'm looking up Ben Denucci stuff. Uh, no, probably not. I mean, it, it, uh, there's no superlative I would feel comfortable using in that division. Because, like, <laughs> what if, like, what if they play the Giants again? You know, what if uh, Carson Wentz goes down and Jalen Hurts isn't ready? What if Carson <coughs> Wentz shits the bed again? Uh, Jalen Hurts if... is going to be better than Ben fucking Denucci. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. Wow, imagine, like, how can you draft a guy that couldn't pass Nathan Peterman on a depth chart? How could you go, this guy was worse than him, but we're going to take him. I don't have an answer him. for that. I like, do not have this... an answer for that. Uh, <sighs> it, we talked about this on the pick spot this week. Washington plus 900 to win the division. Would you take that? Uh, yes. Would you take those odds? I would yes, take those I odds, too. I changed my mind on Washington. Yeah. Yes. That defensive line is just nasty. Just absolutely nasty. And I know you were playing uh, the depleted Cowboys offensive line, which all of a sudden has turned to a bottom third offensive line in football without Zach Martin, maybe bottom six or seven. Uh, But that's what you're going to be playing in the NFC. So all you have to do to win that division is win your division games, like four of them. That's all you need to do. We should have known that this was going to happen. I feel like this No, is... we shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nobody ever should know that a division's going to combine to win 14 games. <laughs> some some dipshit on a podcast playing the odds is like it's going to have had like I don't think Washington's going to win the division this year and that dude's going to look like a genius for like 10 minutes. Yeah. I I th- I hope us as sports fans will be able to look that guy in the eyes and go you were full of shit then and you're full Got of shit lucky. now. They won 5 games. <laughs> Um, 
The uh, Bill Belichick legacy is not in trouble, but it's taken a small jab to the nose here over the last couple weeks where the Patriots look like an absolute mess and Tom Brady is throwing dimes all over the field. Uh, I feel confident in finally being able to answer the question that, of course, Bill Belichick, in my opinion, is the greatest coach in football ever, maybe the greatest coach in North American professional sports ever. But that dynasty was because of Tom Brady more so than because of Bill Belichick. We all knew this was going to be a question coming into this year. It's probably why Brady left because he was sick of being called a system quarterback and he wanted to prove he could do it without Bill Belichick. And I know this Patriots team is over 500 with Tom Brady right now. Who thinks Tom Brady is a system quarterback? Uh, ton of you need to spend more time on Twitter, my friend. You no, really no. See, that's that actually. I think that that works in my favor when you say that, because uh, I don't count. I don't. I'm talking like people who know things about stuff. Yeah, but that's not who we're talking to. The people who know things about stuff aren't sitting here listening to me and you. The people who don't know things about stuff are hey, sitting here listening to me and you. Don't you insult our viewers by saying that they don't know things about stuff? They don't know things about stuff as much as me and you don't know things about stuff. But that's <laughs> that's the beauty of it. I mean, they know sports, but we're not talking to fucking. Michael Strahan right now. We're talking please, to the casual Twitter follower, you know. Please direct all comments to Andrew Norris at Detroit on Twitter. Uh, as the one who thinks that our fans are fucking stupid. You heard it here <laughs> first. We have the dumbest fans on the planet. That's a direct quote, right? It's a direct quote. <laughs> I'm going to put that up. When you run for Senate, that's going to be on the ad. Good. Andrew Norris thinks his fans are stupid. How can he get things done in Congress? Uh... I think so was, as, that's actually a great idea. Me, Senate. Well, I, I, I actually have something. Uh, I guess I, I guess I'll throw this in here now in the middle of our Patriots discussion. But Big Brother is taking casting uh, videos right now, and we'll have to have a discussion about that off there. Yes, what we're gonna please. Do that. Yes. Uh, um, so let's talk about the Patriots for a second. Uh, Cam Newton. <laughs> Cam Newton looked like he was trying to play point guard, and that he was sending everybody bounce passes. I don't know what that was. I don't know why that was happening. But I swear to God, I saw Cam Newton just put one in the dirt three, four, three yards in front of his receiver like two or three times today. Uh, I think which is why that, he got benched. Which is why he got benched. And it's not like Jared Stidham is like a world beater. I mean, he's no Ben DiNucci, that's for sure. Uh, I, I, I just <laughs> – I think that I've actually been impressed – by what the Patriots have put together so far this year. And the reason for that is because their offense is is 80% different than it was last year. They are a run-focused. Even with Cam Newton, Cam's running the ball. Uh, Now, whether or not Cam is good still or not isn't necessarily Bill Belichick's fault. They're paying him. He's definitely out... He's outplaying what he's earning, which I think is actually a, a strike in favor of Bill Belichick. Because even if Cam Newton is, quote-unquote, like a backup-level quarterback, that's you're paying him to be your practice squad quarterback. And they don't have their three def- best defensive players. It's Stephen Gil- It's not Stephen Gilmore. Who's their corner? Stephon Gilmore. Oh, it is Stephon Gilmore. Uh, so then I said the wrong name when we were talking about the Titans thing earlier. So, uh, Stefan Gilmore and then like a bunch of guys that aren't like, <laughs> I don't that's think how it's that always is... been. 
that's how it's always been for the last five, six years in New England. And it's, they've true. made it work somehow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> like, look at what Kyle Van Noy looks like now versus two years ago when he was playing for the Pats. It's like that kind of stuff. And the guys who would be like Kyle Van Noy are sitting out this year, Patrick Chung and uh, whoever their middle linebacker is who's also sitting out this year. That's not – I don't think that that's necessarily Bill's fault that they were preseason ravaged by COVID and then didn't get to practice for two weeks and then their quarterback can't throw the ball. And it, I don't know I don't know about the 49ers, man. They are a weird football team. They are one of those teams that I don't have a good read on because they don't have anybody and they're putting up 35 points a game. So I I, I don't think I, – I don't think that this should hurt Bill Belichick's legacy in any way even though, of course, it will. Because this is one, this is one downturn season after you have to turn over half your roster. It, that's impossible. It's not supposed to be for Bill Belichick. And if Tom Brady was there right now, they'd be four and two, and not two and four. Maybe. That might yes. be true. That might be true. But I, I don't think it's because Tom. Brady I mean, they scored like, six points today. I they allowed thirty-three to a team whose quarterback there. didn't. They they allowed 33 today to a quarterback who didn't throw a touchdown and threw two picks. By the way, Jimmy G, you <laughs> suck. Um, like they the got Jimmy beat by G way, man. They got beat by Jeff friggin' Wilson today. They got beat by a team who's lost half its roster. You want to talk about losing half your roster? Look at the Niners, and they got mollywopped. Uh, uh, what? They got mollywopped. What is that? Uh. The shit kicked out of him. Molly Wapped sounds like something that like Fetty Wap would say when he's like fucked up in the club. And then like it would be like a number. Like what's the Fetty Wap number? It's like seventeen thirty eight or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah. So that would be that's getting Molly Wapped when you lose seventeen to thirty eight. You get Molly Wapped. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 Fetty Wap's wife's name. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I just wrote down Jacksonville 29, Chargers 39. I don't have anything to say except for Justin <laughs> Herbert's good. Uh, the Buccaneers, on the other hand, back to the Patriots kind of, Buccaneers have scored 83 points in the last two weeks and are top five team in football. They're, uh, I think that they're probably the fourth or third best team in football. Uh, they That offense is awesome. They spread the ball around. The ball touches eight different people by the end of the game. It's really cool. They're a really good team. Uh, and they get to add Antonio Brown next week. Maybe. I, I He's signed. Yes. I I I can't like quantify this or say any like I don't have any information that I've read. I just don't think Antonio Brown plays next week. I I think that At the NFL is going to railroad. To add, I mean he already served his eight weeks or whatever. Uh, or ne- yeah. Oh, so I guess it'll be two weeks from now because I think next week's week eight. So, yeah, it'll be two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, I found out why I wrote down the Jacksonville score. It's It was a scoregami. It was the 1,059th oh. unique final score in NFL history. 29-39 feels like it should have happened before, though. That sounds like a Big 12 game to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you got anything else for around the league? Anything that that caught your eye? Uh, nope. I guess not. Uh, <laughs> I would like to point out that you and I 
uh, went. What did you go in your picks? We're we're not all the way through our picks because we've both got stuff on the Monday night game. But on our picks, we're gonna pod, both be nine, two, and one after this week. Yeah, we're which is ridiculous. Yeah, we're real hot right now on our picks pod, and it's not just winners. Like we're picking lines, so. We actually just leased a two-bedroom apartment in Vegas, and we're going. We're going. Yeah, we've decided to make the move, <laughs> quit our jobs, do the whole deal. Um, but while we're on that, let's let's take a small break, just promote ourselves a little bit. Big Brother Bonus Pod, every week, right when the show comes out on wow. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or even a little bit before, you can catch it there. NFL Pick Show every Thursday night. It's going to drop in those two places. And, of course, you're listening to this show right now, so you know where to find it. But we do have we do, do other things besides this. If you want to go give it a listen, you can find it in the exact same place you find this. The Big Brother bonus pods, last, next week will be our last Big Brother bonus pod. It's finale Whoa. week on Big Brother. Fucking, I can download a 50. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read you the definition. Uh, wait, once you're back, I'm going to read you the definition of Molly Wapped. Are you back? Yeah, yeah, I already disconnected or reconnected. Uh, Molly Wapped is to be smacked on the cheek or forehead with a penis while giving a blowjob. Particularly <laughs> done to a female, hence the name Molly. <laughs> That's funny. So, whatever team you just said that about. Is not gonna. You're never gonna get an interview with them ever. I'm. That's that's crazy. Are you an Urban Dictionary or like a normal dictionary? Because I've heard that term used in like a real broadcast for some sports. Wow. Uh. Uh. That's Urban Dictionary. Andrew Norris thinks that people giving blowjobs need to be hit on the head. What will he do, do when he's in Congress? God damn it, dude. You're really going to fuck up my Senate race. Don't worry. I'll persevere. Um, let's talk a little Big Ten football. Cool. Uh, we're going to have – you know, I'm not I'm not doing this thing where I bullshit you about Northwestern and, and Indiana, even though that Indiana-Penn State game was crazy. But I, I, I can't go in depth enough to do it. I'm not, I'm, let's talk Michigan. Let's talk Michigan State. Let's talk a little tiny bit of Ohio State where I know – what's going on um and let's start with michigan state <laughs> you losers you lost to Rutgers. okay um i mean jesus i, I michigan beat Rutgers like 73 to zero a couple years ago that team belongs in division two and you lost to them you lied too much party and too many red solo cups up there in East Lansing. How about you learn how to play football instead of just take shots the whole time? Mel Tucker, real good coach, huh? Real good at his job. Great recruiter. We'll see in a couple years because we're sure as hell not going to see anything worth value this year for, for that team up in East Lansing. Okay, now let's talk uh, actual college football with actual college football players. The Michigan Wolverines took on Minnesota uh, and... In a game that I think most Michigan fans were super nervous going into, new quarterback, you're not really sure about the skill positions. Obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones is gone, Tariq Black is gone. Uh, and you went there and you went into Minnesota for a night game and you put up 49 points on them and only allowed 24. Uh, the number 21 ranked team in the country that was supposed to be, P.J. Fleck was supposed to have that team ready to compete for a Big Ten title or at least come close. And you pretty much went in and said, not this year, little guy. We're taking that jug. We're going home. We're keeping the jug with us. 
Um, and as a Michigan fan, I have been about as negative as Michigan fans get because I think Michigan fans tend to be overly optimistic when the season starts specifically. And then we all remember that the offense is from 1975 and our savior of a head coach has been a disappointment and Ohio State's miles better than us. But then all of a sudden, Joe Milton, six foot five, 220 pounds, four, six, 40, can throw the ball as far as, and this is not an exaggeration, can throw the ball as far as anybody on planet Earth. And that includes Patrick Mahomes, that includes Josh Allen. The dude can put it 85 yards through the air. Comes in, looks like an absolute dog. The offense looks modern. The running game is like, what, 8.2 yards per carry against a defense that's supposed to be able to stop the run. They don't allow Minnesota to run the ball at all. And all of a sudden, you look like you have finally for Jim Harbaugh, like a legit, legit quarterback and a good offense that could maybe, just maybe, compete with Ohio State this year. Um, uh, Zach Charbonnet, four carries for 70 yards, has a 17.5-yard average. Hassan Haskins, 13.7-yard average carry. Uh, that's about as good as I've seen from anybody since Mike Hart. So, Joe Milton, 8 for 52 from the quarterback position, which is big, and I think that role will even expand throughout the year. I mean, when he the acceleration that dude has, his zero to full speed time, um, I thought everybody was crazy because I was hearing like Cam Newton light comparisons before the season. God, after watching him, and I've always been a big Joe Milton fan. I've always wanted him to be the guy over McCaffrey when the time came. But, and I knew he was fast, but I didn't know he was as fast as he was, as he showed yesterday. I mean, that dude just zooms right across the field, making good reads, not turning the ball over. The accuracy isn't perfect, but it's going to get there. Um, it was still good. It was better than I think most of us were expecting. And now all of a sudden there's a quarterback at Michigan who I think come next year, after the end of the 2021 NCAA football season, you're going to be looking at people asking if he's a first-round pick. Um, he's, I mean, he fits. He'll be a modern NFL quarterback to the fullest extent. He'll be Josh Allen. Yeah, it seems like that's going to be kind of his comp from what I've seen. Now, full disclosure, I probably watched like a half hour of this game because I just, I just, I'm a, I'm a busy guy and like has so much time to watch sports. And I spend all day Sunday watching football. So, uh, but from what I saw, I really, I really was enjoying it, and I wanted to watch more, and I will continue to watch more and have actual opinions on things as we go forward. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to break this game down too much. Uh, I, I really want to wait to get a couple games into the season with Michigan before we start, you know, digging in and seeing what's changed with the team and seeing if Harbaugh's evolved. Um, but I do want to let everybody know, Michigan plays Michigan State next week at the Big House, and they've opened up as 26-and-a-half-point favorites. Whoa. 26-and-a-half-point <laughs> favorites. That's pretty crazy. That's I don't even know. I don't know if I could take Michigan if that was the line, no matter what. 26-and-a-half points is like – that's like you're, like you're begging me to take Michigan State. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, there's no way I'm touching that. It's a rivalry game. I don't think I think Michigan State's going to be really bad, like two and six bad. But they could win. Uh, they could win forty to twenty one and cover Michigan State, or Michigan yeah, could win yeah. and not cover. Right. So. Um, but we know how rivalry games are. You never know what's going to happen. Gonna, it's going to be tight. 
It's going to be tight no matter what. It's the blood feud. Yes. Um, so, Saturday, Michigan-Michigan State. We'll be back next week with, like, more. We're going to talk about more. I just kind of wanted to cover it quickly. Week one, Big Ten football yeah. is back. Uh, and then Ohio State looked like Ohio State this week. Justin Fields was amazing. I think he threw one incompletion. Yeah, 20 for 21. 276 and two touchdowns against Nebraska, who was supposed to be a semi-improved team. They just walked in and beat him 52 to 17. Um, but for Nebraska, still not as bad as losing to Rutgers. Nebraska so. is an improved team. Is the Devontae Parker is going to break out of college football? That's I hear it every year, and it's never true. It's also the Michigan is an improved team of college football. And like Nebraska fans <laughs> were the fans who the most wanted football to come back in the Big Ten. They were the people who are up in arms about it. And for what? Good job, guys. You're going to put a bunch of college kids at risk, and you're going to watch your team get mollywopped multiple times over the course of the season. Yeah. Good job. Well, good job. It's not 1987 anymore, Nebraska yeah. fans. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. And then that's college football for this <laughs> Take week. Take that, Nebraska fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's college football for this week, though. We will, we're going to grow on that. We're going to do more and more as more. the season goes on. You just got to kind of let us get back into the groove with college football because, honestly, last year outside of Michigan, I didn't pay any attention. I normally am across the board watching everybody, and that's kind of the plan for the rest of this year. Uh, watch some Clemson, more... watch some Bama. I like to watch – I'll watch, like, SEC games, like high-profile pro, high SEC games and games with high-level NFL prospects. But I, I, I tend to watch college football more from the lens of somebody who wants to see guys coming into the NFL. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the World Series. It's been a while since we talked baseball on here. Uh, it is Sunday night that we're recording this, and the Dodgers are currently up 4-2 in the bottom of the eighth in Game 5. But last night, game four, an amazing game with an amazing ending. Wow. Uh, I mean, just absolute chaos ensued. Um, hold on. Let me pull everything up here. Yeah. Uh, uh, shit. Yeah. Brandon Phillips hits the ball into the right center field gap. The One of the best center fielders in baseball, Kevin Kiermeyer, comes over to field it. They are down one. Uh, he, it botches off his glove, which allows the guy from first to come all the way home. But on his way home, he stumbles, does a full somersault. Looks like he's going to be out. But uh, the catcher for the Dodgers goes to make a swipe tag because either lack of communication or a lack of awareness. Uh, he doesn't see him fall. And then he goes too quick, which is something every young baseball player has done. They've tried to make the tag before catching the ball, but you would think a major league catcher where the most important thing you're going to do is defense would not make this mistake. The ball bounces off his glove. Um, it was uh, Arozarena, I think is how you say it. I've been trying all season to get it right. Uh, he noticed, He's turning back to third, notice it, it bounces off his glove. He turns right back around and runs home. All of a sudden, the Rays went on the walk-off to even it up 2-2. And, man, I just want to talk about this Rays team for a second. Go for it. My single favorite stat, maybe that I've ever seen in baseball, and I am obsessed with baseball statistics, is that the the New York Yankees this offseason owe Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton $62 million. The Tampa Bay Rays have a total payroll of $68 million. And they're it's, in the World Series. 
it's money. It's Moneyball all over again. The Oakland Athletics and their sixty-three million dollar payroll or whatever. I watched my next note. I watched Moneyball last night. Wow! No way! I watched yeah. it yesterday too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I've seen it a Me million neither. times. I just was like a little drunk and I wanted to watch Moneyball. <laughs> uh, and this race team is literally the exact same thing. It's an island of misfit toys with guys who know how to get on base. They know how to play defense. They know when to shift. They know where to shift. They know how to use their bullpen, which is the single most important job of a manager, which is why in modern day baseball, you need an analytical manager. Um, and they're, I saw like an article earlier this year that says they're not aesthetically pleasing to watch. Yeah, shut up with that nonsense. Like this team is amazing. They're so fun to watch. They do everything right down to the finest detail at all times. And even though they're probably going to lose tonight, we got game six on Tuesday. If they win that, they're taking a $240 million payroll team to game seven of the World Series after beating a $200 million payroll team earlier in the playoffs. Um, It's really also an indicator of where baseball's at. This team should be the biggest story in sports right now. And if you don't care, like if you don't do the research sports thing every day and you're not a baseball fan to begin with, you probably like barely know they're in the World Series. I mean, it's just you don't see it anywhere. To find anything about baseball now, you have to go look for it. You can't you don't just stumble across it anymore. Um, But I love this Rays team. My hope they got a guy on first right now. If they can come back and win this game tonight and win this World Series, Uh, It would be amazing for two reasons. Reason number one, we get to see a team that is this forward thinking with this low of a payroll that consistently stays good. I mean, they have down seasons, but they don't get to spend any money and they're consistently at least good. Um, Win a World Series and two Dodgers fans get to continue experiencing the same thing we as Tigers fans experienced for a decade, except theirs is probably worse. But I want somebody in the club with us. So, you know, keep losing Dodgers. Uh, I, as the world's most casual baseball fan, tend to kind of check in to baseball right around the playoffs right beforehand, uh, and then really enjoy watching the baseball playoffs, and that's about it. And I have really enjoyed watching this race team play and just kind of watching the way the playoffs have shaken out all together. It's just been a, a bunch of really fascinating stories, like, all rolled in. I would think, like, for a story for story, like – it's probably been better than even the NBA was this year. And the NBA had some like really high tier stories, but uh, it's just been it's just been a great round of baseball playoffs after a surprisingly successful season. And uh, uh, it's been a more fun game to watch in the playoffs, right? Everybody's been hooting and hollering and uh, freaking out and, and really letting their emotions kind of pimping come out home runs and, like crazy. Yeah, it, it just seems so obvious to me that like baseball needs to operate the way that the baseball, like the regular season, the baseball needs to operate the way the playoffs for baseball operates. You know, just give me mm-hmm. give me some more freedom, give me some more stuff like that. That's just because I I've just really enjoyed it, and uh, it just isn't available for me to watch like that all the time. Yeah, the the freedom I think is huge. Like it's a hundred and sixty two game sprint. If you if you want to get people to to buy in again on baseball, you need the showboating, you need the cockiness, you need the arrogance, you need you need all of those things that is in every other sport. 
Every single one. Um, something that I, I think is a little bit unfair, but there's no way Major League Baseball could have done anything about it, is they're playing in Texas, and they're allowing like 11,000 people into the stadium. If you listen to these crowds, uh, 9,500 of them are Dodgers fans. There's let's go Dodgers chance every night. It's almost like a home game for them. And I know there's no way to fix that. It's LA versus Tampa. Like, of course, um, but it's still, it seems a little odd to me. It's, you know, that they're playing a seven game series in front of a home crowd for the Dodgers. Yeah. Well, Florida's closer to Texas than LA is. So yeah, but there's a million times the amount of Dodgers fans that there's Rays fans. Rays can't fill up 50% of their own stadium even this year. Yeah. Right. Well, I have to go back and look to make sure, but I'm pretty sure that the Rays have a terrible stadium. Is that horrible? Right? It's the worst yeah. in baseball. By they just need to not be in Tampa and not play in a dome. And it's the dome. Yeah, it's very like you ever go into the you ever go into the Target at like Ten Mile and John R. No, <laughs> there is a just I will not go into this Target anymore, and it's on the way to a place I need to go sometimes and. Uh, there's no music and it's got these like terrible tote, like pale lights and there's never anybody in there and everybody's like wearing a red shirt and a mask and they have big beady eyes and it's just a bad vibe. It's just a place you don't want to go. You don't want to spend time and you go in there and you're like, where is the Diet Coke? And I'm out of here. Uh, stop drinking Diet Coke. I, I don't drink Diet Coke. It just was <laughs> the first thing that I said. Uh, and that is the way I feel about the Tampa Bay Rays stadium. Where is where is my seat, and do I have to stare at this wall? Yeah, no, and it's probably worse than that, honestly. <laughs> like it, it when you watch a game, it makes the whole world look gray. Yeah, like it's the the, the air looks gray. It's like it's like this, but worse. Yes, because that's cool. Like I, that's sad, but like take out the circumstances behind it, and it looks cool. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so go raise, uh, everybody should know by now, I'm not going to hide my, my, my fandom on this so show. Let me ask so you a, like a more specific baseball question. So we can talk about something with a little meat in it for baseball. Uh, where, where are all these really good race players going to go next year? What, like, or let me, let me rephrase that question. Which guys are going to be playing for big market teams next year on the race? I mean, nobody really. Their pitchers are good. They're not good enough for, like, big-time contracts. Uh, and a lot of their lineup is young guys. I mean, maybe Margot, maybe Hunter Renfro. But, I mean, most of these guys are here for the long haul. And it's because it's that money ball style. Like, these big market teams that are just spend money, get a guy who hits 310 and hits 30 home runs, don't worry about his on-base percentage, even though everybody has some form of money ball now. But you just look at the Tigers and it, the – it's an average at best analytical department. Um, a lot of these guys to those bigger clubs still aren't going to be that enticing because it's not like they're putting up huge numbers. It's it's basically to me what Moneyball is, is you create a lineup that has the best ability for a chain reaction. Right. As opposed to waiting for Miguel Caprera to step to the plate and hit a two-run home run opposite field. Uh, this is the best for walk single, walk double. That's what you're looking for. That's the best way to win a baseball game. Um, and you get it done, you know, 30, 33% of the time with your on-base percentage for a lot of these guys. Some of them are higher. Some of them are uh, – most of them are higher, I should say, for a money ball type team. 
most have on base percentages between like 360 and 400. In the playoffs, the Rays are even better than that. Um, but I think a lot of these guys will stay, and I think they'll be able to mostly run it back. I mean, Yandy Diaz maybe could go, but I don't know what his contract is. Uh, so I, I don't think they're going to have to worry too much about losing a ton of these guys. And the thing about the Rays, when they do lose them, they replace them instantly. Can I give you a Moneyball take, like from when I was watching Moneyball yesterday? Mm-hmm. Billy Bean is like a jackass. Like when he's in the scouting room and those guys are like talking about things and yeah, they're talking about like shit that doesn't matter. Like he's got an ugly girlfriend, but he's just like in the middle of them talking. He just goes, blah, blah, blah. if somebody did that to me and I had been a, like a baseball scout for 20 years, I'd leave the room. I'd be done. Fuck you. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's I, crazy. I have a feeling that didn't really happen. <laughs> I believe that some version of that where he was like, just like, because of the way that like the rest of the actors play that movie. Like if you look at uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and then the manager that he's portraying, there's a lot of like, they're going for the real life guys. But I, I, every time he talks to those scouts or he's in a room with people who disagree with him, he just is like, just a dick about it, but we're supposed like he's the hero. So that's you Brad all, Pitt. You also have to remember, you know how people are about excuse me. <coughs> I feel like there was an ant crawling in the back of my throat. Okay. Um you know how people are about analytics today, like the anti-analytics people. Imagine sure. that at the beginning of the analytics era. Like ev- you have to if you're gonna change the the way the sport is looked at and functioned and even played, you're going to have to kind of be a dick about it. It's a hundred at the time is a 130 year old professional. I mean, they've been playing professional baseball since 1870. It's 130 years deep. It's America's pastime. People, you, I mean, look, you can't even celebrate in baseball because they don't want shit to change. If you're going to come in with something like this, that completely changes everything. You got to uh, – I mean, Bill James was, like, shunned from baseball until until this Moneyball team happened. Uh, when when he's, like, this 25-year-old is the assistant GM. I just won he... $400. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the overhit. I just won $400. Uh, $370. Yes. Uh, but not $700. Uh Fuck you, I, Cody I forgot, I forgot what I was saying. Well, it doesn't matter because I just won that money. This has been fan to fan Detroit. Find me on Twitter at fan to fan drew That's the number two. Find him at Parker underscore Hammond. Uh, if you want to, go give our big brother bonus pod a listen while you still got the time to do it. And our NFL picks pod, which comes out every Thursday, and we have been murdering it. We are killing as, it on the picks as pod. Good, as good as about probably anybody in the world. There, I don't think that there's anybody who's making picks every week like we are who's doing as well as us. Not that I've no. seen. No, not even close. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Same place, same time next week. Go give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you all, and we will see you. Peace. Uh, The fun sports clip of the week this week is a soccer brawl, a very serious fight between soccer players. So enjoy that. Bye.